Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a, just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything, because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee, so if the dryer or your dog eats a sock, or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintage colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt. Dory is currently using the facilities. What happened here? Well, I'll tell you what happened. We recorded the first part of the podcast. And in old podcast fashion, I hit record. We talked. We did a whole opening segment. And then I looked. And when I hit stop, I noticed nothing was recording. So the entire first part of the podcast did not record. I took the SD card, which was still in the computer from all the podcasts I was doing over the weekend, and put it in the the Zoom. The Zoom is the name of the device that we use to record. It's called the Zoom H6, if anyone's wondering. Great, great, great recorder. Four XLR inputs, uh, up to six different tracks you can record in isolation. Um, But whenever I say Zoom, people think of now Zoom, the video conferencing program which is very strange to me because to me zoom is the device i'm talking into right now not the app anyway (laughs) there was when i put the card back in it was zero minutes and zero seconds available space so i put the card back in the computer i deleted about mm, 120 files and i then had 79 hours and 49 minutes of free space. So, here we are. And Bo has just arrived. And everybody, please welcome to the show. You know her from Forever 35. She's the author of a startup, a novel, and the new memoir, which is coming out next year. Uh, thanks for waiting. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Dory Shafir. Hey, everyone. Wow, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I it's great to be here. I'm so pleased you could join us here. I wished that uh, you were here for the uh, intro, but it was a lot of technical business, and it was a lot of me explaining for, for, for about two minutes 
what happened to the first part of the show originally. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was tragic. So, look, I can run you through this now because I remember it vividly. <laughs> the most uh, exciting thing that happened to Dory all week involves shoes. Dory, uh, so tell me a little bit about these shoes. Well, they're they're not my shoes. Uh huh. They're uh-huh. my son Henry's That's shoes. That's wild. Yeah, you got a son. How old is he? He's seventeen months. Yeah, is he uh, is he a rambunctious kid? He's a rambunctious little ragamuffin. Who does he look like? You or your husband? Um, you know, people say he looks like me, but then yesterday people were saying he looks like you. Yeah, I think it's just whatever light you catch him in. Yeah, and I think he has your expressions. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're gonna have expressions, have mine. Wow, rude. Yeah, I'm emotive. You know. Well, uh, hello. Hi. What am I? Not a motive? Nope. You're Dory Shafrir, oh the lady. Oh, God. He's Dory Shafrir, the baby. <laughs> no, he's Dory Shafrir, the man. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, so... Yeah. Not until he's 13. Okay, yes. <laughs> so, on Friday, took Henry to the park, as we like to do. And he was, like, running around. He's playing. And then, like, he, he seemed... He was like, I want my shoes off. I mean, he didn't say it that way, but he was like... Like pointing to his shoes. That sounds like Henry or a dolphin. And I was like, okay, he wants his shoes off. And then I was, which like happens a lot. He asks for his shoes to be taken off, but usually not like in the middle of playing in the playground. Yeah. Or not the, not the playground, the park. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, wait a second. Maybe he wants his shoes off because they're too small. Whoa. So this dawns on you. You're thinking, maybe this is a, an actual situation where his shoes are uncomfortable, not that he's a baby and just wants his shoes off. Correct, which okay. had been my assumption. Mine, too. I all the, I think of children. I think children just don't want shoes on. Yes. You're losing socks left and right. Right. Where's the shoe? We yep, don't know. Exactly. So I was like, huh, well, let me see if there's a children's shoe store that I could take him to. I mean, foolhardy, but everything's been closed for quite a while. Might as well Google it. What happened? Right. So I Googled it. There's like one children's shoe store in Los Angeles. Uh, open or period? I mean, I couldn't find that many. Yeah. At least like on this side of town. And that shoe store is Harry Harris Children's Shoes in Beverly Hills. Harry Harris. Which has apparently been around since 1962. Oh, wow. So probably, you know, shoes of the shoes to the stars. Yeah. Well, anyone who grew up in L.A. who I told I did this was like, oh, that place is still around? I wow. went there when I was a kid. What about Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow's kid, Apple? Do you think Apple got shoes there? I mean, maybe. Wow. That's some goop right there. <laughs> wow. Where did that come from? I don't know. I was just trying to think of like a child born in L.A. <laughs> And so, for some reason, that's the only person I could think and of. And here's the thing. He's been wearing shoes, but he started walking right after lockdown when everything was closed. Yeah. He uh, you know, he stood up a little bit here and there, and then all of a sudden... He's walking. Uh-oh. And, you know, they say not to get them, like, super hard shoes at first. They should have soft shoes so they can really, like, feel the ground. So I didn't want to put them in anything too structured. And besides, all the stores were closed, so I couldn't get his foot measured. I tried to get his foot measured at home with a little chart that I printed off from the StrideRight website. StrideRight. You just print it. There it is. And Henry was not having it. No. Would I mean, not. Didn't want to stand still. Would not let me even like make a notation on a piece of paper of how long his foot was. So I was kind of guessing. Mm-hmm. I ordered a bunch of shoes. Half of them did not fit at all. And then like... When I was one of them, I was like, oh, okay. And it seemed like he had wide feet. Anyway, the whole saga is to say that I'd never gotten his feet measured because of lockdown. And then I, th- I just assumed that his shoes fit because they seemed like they fit. So I show up at Harry Harris Children's Shoes on Friday. I can't believe we're still telling the story. <laughs> and they were taking appointments. So I was the only one in the... We were the only ones in the store. Right, yeah. And the guy was like... Oh, these shoes are too small. Uh-huh. And then he measured his foot and he was like, he's a seven and he'd been wearing a six. Oh boy. Well, I wonder if he was a six when you got him the shoes. That's what I'm want, wondering too. I don't too. want you to feel too bad. Well, I do feel bad. Babies grow, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's the number one thing about babies. They do grow. They don't, they don't stay the same. That's true. So he is a wide, he does have a wide foot. So I was, I was right about it. that. But I was able to get him two pairs of, of shoes, mm-hmm. a pair of sandaly shoes and a pair of sneakery shoes. Yeah. And he seems so much more comfortable. 
Yeah, I mean, I got home from work on Friday, and he was uh, still in his shoes in the house and just uh, seemed delighted by them. Yeah. Like, he, I think he likes the counterweight to his, his own feet, mm, which is why he's spending a lot of time on his head right now. What do you mean? Like, he's doing his little, you know, his baby tumbles. Like yeah. Like, just being like an, a baby who just wants to be on his head. Yeah. <laughs> Like a, and then like laying flat on his back and kicking his feet up. Yeah. Like I think he's fascinated by what the feet are, the shoes are doing for mm, him right now. Interesting, interesting theory. Yeah, uh, he's he runs funny. You know, he runs like he kicks his feet very wide. He's got a wide run. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty standard toddler run. Look, I don't know. I don't know from toddlers. He's my first toddler. That's true. Um, but he does, I will say, seems he seems to be happier in a shoe. Yeah. Than he was. Uh, just four days ago. Oh, the dark ages. Uh, so where am I right now? First of all, that's Dory's story. Thank you so much for joining us, Dory. Well, uh, one more thing. You want to stick around while we interview our next guest? I did feel, I, you know, I've been feeling pretty bad about this, that he's been walking around in two small shoes. Yeah. And I was telling a friend who has a, a son right around Henry's age, this whole story. And she was like, oh, I need to take my son to get his mm-hmm. feet measured because I never did that. And she texted me today. He was wearing shoes that were size and a half too small. Again, also could have been a grower. Oh, totally. But it's just like, we're, we're both first time moms. Like we don't really know how kids shoes are supposed to fit. You know, first time mom, last long time listener. Yep. First time caller. Mm-hmm. Long time, long time lady. First time mom. That's what you should say. now. Long time host. Yes. First time. That's true. We did host the podcast for quite a while without, yep. without, without, our very long-haired baby. Yep. Um, but, you know, that is to say, everybody uh, out there, just, just, you know, measure those feet. Yep, measure those feet. Measure, like Norm Abram says, measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, buy once. Measure twice, buy many times, because his feet will continue to grow. That's true. Uh, that's good. What's happening? Well, you know, I mean, look, aside from the debacle of the memory card being full this morning, just a lot of podcasts over here. Been doing a bunch. Yeah. Did two during the week. Did yep. one yesterday during yep. the nap. Did one after he went to bed. Yeah. Fitting podcasts around Henry's schedule. Not ideal, but doable. Well, he has a he has a more somewhat more consistent schedule now. Yeah, he has a more he's a he's a he's a what do we call it? A uh, more substantial nap. Yeah. The, the one nap that right. he takes is it's from time to time it gets to be huge yeah um but yeah so i've done the math i do four pod i do four uh star treks every month and four patreon star trek podcasts every month so that's eight right there and then we do four of this every month plus two just mm-hmm. six patreons so then it turned i was like oh my god i do 14 podcasts every month yeah which is like essentially one every every 2.3 days mm-hmm. um which is a lot when i'm shooting i mean essentially i should just do one every day i'm not working because if we're shooting three weeks a month <laughs> that's 15 shooting days yeah well especially with star trek like you can you can knock some out you would think you know you'd really think that <laughs> Thank you for, like, I mean, yesterday we didn't, we had to, we couldn't do one because we had, I hadn't, I forgot to put up the podcast. Oh, so, so you can't get too ahead of yourself. We had no emails. emails. I see. I see. Which I was like, so mm. we don't, I don't, we don't need the emails to do the podcast. Right. Again, I'm just fighting a losing battle over yeah, here. Yeah, you are. Um, but we did a very I describe it as a tight hour and thirty-two minutes. Yeah, I was yesterday. actually, I was actually surprised I was and like, impressed. I was like, "This is, this is, this feels good." Yeah, twenty minutes of emails, and then boom, we're talking about Catherine Janeway. Boom, boom, boom. Um, but it, it is what it is. So yeah, where am I? So it's a week. Do we just we just shot two episodes? We're doing a third episode. We shoot three episodes and then a break. Three episodes and then a break. That's our typical schedule. I did see that because of the pushing. The last block of episodes will be four in a row. Ew. So that's going to be a rough march. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Um, And that will be a lot. But anyway, the so yeah, we're doing 
We shot 803, 804. We're doing 805 next week. Um, and then we have a week off, and then we're doing 806, which uh, needs, uh, we need to go, we need, we needed a, it's, a part of it takes place on a, on a cruise ship. Mm. So we were going to build it on stage, but I read the script, and I talked to the director, and he was like, uh, we really shouldn't build this. We should go shoot it somewhere. And I was like, mm, we shouldn't go anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> but I'll read it tonight and I'll let you know. And I read it and I was like, he's right. Mm. So then I said to the guys, I was like, hey, if there's ever going to be a time to go shoot something on the Queen Mary or something, it's probably, well, all the ships are docked. <laughs> Mm, interesting and they're point. not making any money right and uh they'd probably be delighted to have us stroll through yeah is the queen mary even open for visitors right no. now oh well they're thrilled so what went from we were just going to do one day on the boat and build the shuffleboard court on stage the queen mary was uh was so uh cost effective that we're doing two days out wow so that's a little bit, that's a little bit of fun, fun news. Cool. That news, really. Anyway, that's just, that's sort of what I'm doing. Got a bunch of podcasts to do. I got to do another podcast tonight with Andy, and uh, then I got to do one on Monday with Andy, and then Dory and I got to do another Patreon on probably Tuesday, because the month is ending. Yeah, it is. And uh, look, if you want to email us, you could do so by writing to Dory and Matt at gmail.com or Matt and Dory at gmail.com. And if you want to call us, leave a voice, but you can do so at 461-413-461-BABY. Nope. Yep. Or you can email us a voice memo. Yeah, which uh, you'll have a better sound quality and the three-minute limit of time not there. Correct. You can go over. Correct. If you feel like you're going to really expound on something yep. and tell a long story. Just do the voice which, memo. Which, by the way, all for it. Yep. Do a, send, us a, send us a voice memo. Um, and I also just want to mention that Yom Kippur starts tonight, so... Hey yum. I'll be I'll be uh going to going to service on Zoom. Zoom in on service. Yep. Zoom You're gonna away. zoom in on service. What do you think about that? Well You know, the first part of the podcast I explained how I say I'm recording on the Zoom. People are confused by that now. Yes. I bet the people I bet the original Zoom is annoyed by this. I'm sure they are. Because it's a quality digital multi track recorder. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this video app is there and yeah. it's like zoom. So he, he just, anyway, uh, we'll be right back. All right. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like... I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of the heel that goes up a little, just a, just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet, not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you 
purchase an item. Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything, because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock, or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Okay, everyone. We're back after uh, we decided that uh, we hated what we just recorded. So we did. We're gonna do it all over again. Uh, does it feel like? Does it, do you want to do it this way? Yeah, sure. Okay. So way. everybody, we're gonna hit the emails right now, and uh, up first is uh, anonymous from from Chicago. No, it's actually from Kara. All right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Took a shot in the dark, everybody. Yep. Okay. Uh, hello, Dory, Matt, Henry, and Bo. Haven't caught up on this week's episode yet. But I just listened to last week's the other day, but was driving and only just had a chance to respond with a clarification. But apologize for being so delayed. Thank you for reading my email. I'm the one who asked about Genuvia and any tests I should request before the transfer of the last embryo we currently have on ice. I feel like such a dumbass. Can't believe I forgot to mention the embryos are PGS normal. Though, Dory, I suspect you're correct that the problem was with the embryo, especially for the one that miscarried. Since PGS normal just means the embryos have the right number of chromosomes, there could still have been some non-trisomy extra chromosome mutation that was incompatible with life. As for the biopsy, apologies for not making that clear. I was referring to an endometrial biopsy since first writing. I had another saline sonogram, looked good, and the endometrial biopsy awaiting results. Thanks for your insights, and I look forward to hearing if others chimed in when I get a chance to listen this week. All my best, Kara. In 2,700 square feet with a 20-month-old husband, two dogs, and a 30-gallon, soon-to-be-upgraded to a 75-gallon planted aquarium. Oh, boy. OPS, Matt. Yes, you are exactly correct. A planted aquarium is a fish tank that has live plants. Bonus. Sorry, Dory, if this makes Matt want a tank again. The live plants help filter the water and actually reduce the maintenance required because they they use the fish waste as fertilizer. So the tank is healthier and requires less cleaning, though there can be a bit of a learning curve to get the tank balanced. Uh, That's that's doubling the size of that tank. Those fish are going to be like, whoa. Yeah. We got so much space now. Um Yes. Now, okay, because we were just, like, the biopsy we were assuming was regarding the embryo. Right. But it was not. So, I mean, I feel like this is important information, Kara. Thank you for writing in about it. Um. All right. This next email is from Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi, Matt and Dory. Matt was wondering if anyone likes the updates about work. As someone from the Midwest, I find any talk about the making of the Goldbergs fascinating. So these updates about working during a pandemic are really interesting to me, at least. I also wanted to comment on some talk that happened a couple weeks ago about having a healthy baby. I've written in before about my 25-weeker. Needless to say, even though the embryo was PGS normal, since he should have spent three and a half more months developing in the womb, we did not have a healthy baby. We chose to focus on bringing home a happy baby. And whatever higher powers out there hurt us because we have the happiest little boy. Matt, are you still trying to improve your sperm? Are you going to do an analysis during your next break, sending some motivation from the outside? Thanks for keeping the podcast going. Jess in 2,000 square feet in Minnesota with husband, Super Science Miracle, and Golden Retriever. Uh, I'm still actively not trying to destroy my sperm, if that makes any sense to anybody. (laughs) Uh, This came up yesterday in the Patreon episode, too. 
guys, I, I gotta be honest. I, I've kind of forgotten about it. I, there's only so much in my head capacity for things. Like today, you said to, to empty out Henry's diaper pail. I processed it and then forgot. Like the next two minutes later. But I did it. You did do and it. When you went in there. Yeah, I didn't even have that to was my reminder. say anything. You were like, oh, the diaper pail. Well, also like the worst thing is like when Dory's like, oh, could you do the blah, 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 blah? And I'm like, I know. I fucked up. I usually say it like that. She does. Uh, it's really, uh, I've, I've deciphered her language. Yep. I did not need a Rosetta Stone. Nope. I just sort you of. You didn't even need Duolingo. Uh, Duolingo for Doshi. Yep. Uh, all right are we done answering that email i don't know well so you like work updates i mean look i you'll get some at the top of the show you (laughs) You got some you got some at the top of the show (laughs) Uh, all right this is from heidi uh but also i want to say oh yes i'm happy that your baby's the happiest baby oh yeah totally me too and I'm happy that, like, you were able to bring him home and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, I mean, how old is said baby now? Um, I don't 20, know. Like, I guess, the, so, okay. When she says 25 week, or that means that, that but that, was that when she wrote in? Is that now? I mean. I don't know. A 25 week old baby has to spend quite a bit of time in the NICU. So, if he's home, he's got to be at least six months old i'm gonna assume i don't know we hope he's happy so all right uh okay this next email comes to us from uh helena Mm. no no i lied you skipped one i skipped heidi heidi i didn't mean to skip you this next one is from heidi everyone i feel like i should give heidi a little extra reverb Mm, uh, which smart. I can't do right now because I'm not connected to the computer the way I thought it. Guys, fun fun fact: I was out of space on the Zoom card, um, and I deleted some stuff, and I went from zero minutes available to seventy nine hours available. So that's a little podcast update. BTS. Uh, from Heidi. Hi, Matt and Dory. Thanks so much for reading my email on the podcast. The answers I got from you and fellow listeners were hugely helpful to me during an unsure and scary time and provided a lot of reassurance as I headed into my C-section in May. Happy to report that my daughter and I are doing awesome. And though my husband wasn't able to be in the operating room for her delivery, he was right by my side all week in the hospital room while I recovered. And we had an amazing experience thanks to our incredible doctors, nurses, and staff. I mean, editorializing the email now. That's impressive. If you can come out of a C-section and spend a week in a hospital and then write the sentence, we had an amazing experience. That's true. <laughs> so, and that here, here to your doctors, nurses, and staff. Uh, and then back to the email. For anyone heading into a similar situation, your partner not being allowed in the OR for your C-section, know that you're not alone. And though it's, of course, not ideal, it, we, you will be okay. For us, it took nothing away from how over-the-moon happy we were to meet our little girl. I do have another question. My mom passed away last September, uh, a year ago this past Sunday. She died a few weeks after I found out that the IVF had been successful and I was pregnant. Luckily, she was able to hear this news before she passed and got to share in our excitement. And, but it was very weird, confusing experience to be grieving, uh, about my mom while becoming a mom at the same time. I was equal parts thrilled and indescribably sad about, and missing my mom, two extreme feelings that in no way diminished one another. I'm curious to hear if any of your other listeners have been through a similar experience, losing their mom, dad, or parent while pregnant. I'm struggling a bit now because it feels like grief is hitting me harder postpartum. And good God, the pandemic certainly doesn't help. I'd love to hear their stories and or any tips you or your listeners have for coping. Thank you and hugs to you both, uh, as well as Henry and Bo. That's from Heidi. Uh, Hey, I'm sorry for your loss of your mom. Sounds like that was really hard. I'm trying to remember. We had a similar. We had a similar. We did. We had a similar. uh, And I believe 
Kate Spencer helped us um, respond to it. Yes. Yes. This is all sounding more familiar now. But, Dory, if you're going to try to find an email from Kate Spencer, yeah, it's going to be hard. You have a thousand bajillions. No, but it's in, it's in the Excellent. podcast email. Yeah, and Kate and I don't correspond very much in that email. Well, if you'd like to, I could give you her the address. <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. Yes. Oh, I, we had we had a pretty similar um, email. I'm just going to read Kate's response because yeah, I think it was, was really good. Very good. It was a good. It was good. All right, dear excellent listener, I've not experienced this exactly. Never did IVF, and don't want to presume I know what you're going through. But I did lose my mom at 27 before I was married and had kids. What you are going through sounds incredibly, awfully hard. A grief support group might provide some relief as well as therapy just to have a space to go and check in, get support and feel heard, a space that's just for you on a regular basis. All that being said, I can't promise you that it will be easy to parent without your mom. At times it will feel painful and devastating, but I can promise you that you will be able to do it. All the things she taught you through loving and supporting you unconditionally throughout your life will kick in and exist in you organically without you even thinking about it. Lean on your support system as much as possible. People want to help when others are grieving and when others become parents, no one will ever replace her, but do not let that stop you from asking for and receiving the help and love of others. And then she also responds to this question of like, um, you know, how to kind of keep your mom's memory alive. Uh Um, So she says, I talk to my kids about her, always answer their questions about her, about death, et cetera, and always ask, what else would you like to know? So they feel safe asking me these questions. I'm honest, but also age appropriate in my replies. I have pictures of her everywhere. I talk about her openly. I cry when I feel sad and let them know why. I also share stories about her, about both the good and the bad, and they love to hear them. Um, My children... And then she says, I can assure you it won't sound like you're shit talking to share stories of her less than perfect moments. She will sound human and you will help to normalize to your kids that no one is perfect. My children love hearing stories of when my mom got mad or yell. They also love hearing about the songs she used to sing to me. She will seem alive to them because you will keep her memory alive and make her part of your family, even though she is not physically present anymore. Um, I'm sending you all my love and solidarity. There are a ton of resources for motherless mothers online and groups on Facebook too. You may also like connecting with other motherless moms. If you don't know anyone directly, ask friends to connect you to motherless moms. They might know. Uh, I mean, very helpful. I assume. Super I assume. helpful, I think. Um, thanks, so, Kate. Spencer. Yeah, thanks, Kate, for responding for letting past. us repurpose your your response you know that that email was from march 2019 before henry was even born yes i remember those times you do march of 2019 <laughs> yep <sighs> still optimistic about being able to see Endgame in the theater yep uh you bought, you bought bikini kill tickets. I did. We were really just very dumb. <laughs> All right. Let's move Young on. Young and dumb. Um, actually, if anyone has other suggestions or thoughts for Heidi, please do send them in. All right. We're going to hear a voicemail now. Hi, Matt and Dory. This is Irina calling from Florida. I just wanted to send a... Congrats on your phase three reopening. <laughs> This past week, while she was having a miscarriage, um, I totally know where she's coming from. I had a miscarriage the day that my husband and I were supposed to leave for our three-year anniversary trip last year. And, um, you know, it was it was right before six weeks, and it was fairly traumatic because we actually had told my parents. Um, so that was really sad. However, uh, you guys were wondering whether it's easier on the other side, and I actually have some experience with this, which is that with my second pregnancy with my now son, who was born um, at the end of March this year, I decided to reveal it at five weeks. And, um, you know, my husband was 
apprehensive, but ultimately supportive. Um, he said it was up to me because I felt like I had a lot of trauma surrounding the miscarriage and just how sad it was. I did end up sharing about the miscarriage publicly on social media and felt that um, the support I got was really lovely and beautiful. And I really wanted to be able to have that should I miscarry it again. And so, you know, it was tough and scary. And like, I'm literally like almost shaking right now just thinking about it. But um, when I got pregnant the second time, I, you know, made a post uh, on social media and told friends that I was five weeks pregnant. And a big reason why I did that is because I knew that I would not be able to go through another miscarriage by myself. And um, it was really hard and scary. But at the same time, it actually gave me more um, opportunity to talk about because, you know, the first trimester can be really difficult for a lot of us. And I think revealing early not only allowed me to talk about all of the anxiety that I experienced, um, you know, worrying about another miscarriage and, and just worrying about the health of the baby, but also just allowed me to talk about all the, like the normal, um, you know, first, first trimester stuff. Like I was really exhausted and all the weird food cravings I was having. Um, you know, so I, I want to just say for anyone who has had a miscarriage that sometimes actually talking about it publicly, um, you know, on your social media platforms or even just having like a few close friends that you can be honest with can really, really be a huge help because miscarriages do happen. They are, you know, fairly common, like one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage, which is a lot. But at the same time, like, you know, the stigma of not revealing your pregnancy until you're 12 weeks and past the quote-unquote most you know dangerous part of a possible miscarriage it's all kind of you know bullshit like the only reason we don't reveal our pregnancies earlier is because um you know there's just like this whole don't air your dirty laundry mentality in our society and i think that that really does not help women and those of us who are experiencing and going through the pain of miscarriage so you know, if you want to know what it's like, uh, I revealed my pregnancy at five weeks and I am damn glad I did it. All right. Bye. Uh, oh, and I live in 1100 square feet with a husband, an almost six month old baby, a seven year old border collie, a three year old cat. And we just got a brand new kitten who is about to be eight weeks old and is uh, saving my goddamn sanity, honestly. <laughs> All right. Bye. Uh, thank you. You know, it is, it is, it is the whole like don't say until you're twelve weeks. Right. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Superstition. Well, I think or societal uh, patriarchy being like, look, there's a good chance you'll lose a kid, and you'll, you'll be in hysterics. Probably that, like not wanting to deal with women's emotions. Mm. Publicly, you know? Yeah. I don't want to deal with them privately. Only publicly. Hmm, interesting. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's about time to take another break. We'll be right back. All righty. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi. We've returned. And we can return with an email from Helena, who I believe I mispronounce as Helena. Or... Yes, yeah, she she clarified how. But I love a parenthetical phonetic spelling. Totally. Uh, thanks so much for reading my email. If it puts climate change uh, even on one person's radar, I consider it a success. Do you have any thoughts on how I could approach the subject with people who are skeptical? How do I get them interested in the basic science of climate change? I would like people to understand that it's not a political issue, but a matter of survival of our children. My default reaction is annoyance, anger, which obviously sh- makes people shut down. I appreciate hearing your thoughts. This is Helena living with a husband, a 16-month-old science baby, a dog, a cat, and 3,500 square feet in Memphis. Uh, well, look, here's the thing. Everything's a political issue now. I was just going to say that. 
So, you know, there's some digging in of the heels on on uh, on the incorrect side of the issue. Uh, you know, it used to be that science was fact. Um, you know, because there's a there's a there's a method to it, and um, it has to be reproducible and and you know it's evidence based. Which is not what our culture is anymore. Our culture is not evidence-based. It's opinion-based. So even facts are treated as opinion. And that's a problem. So I don't know if there's a great answer (laughs) to how you would approach this to someone. Now, a skeptical person, maybe there's a way to approach but a person who flat out denies, I think your task is a lot uh, more difficult. I think all you can do is like stay true to yourself. You don't have to be always proselytizing about it, but you can t- you can certainly talk about it. You can talk about it on social media. I think that I think that that actually is effective. Um, you can be the Ed Bagley Jr. of Memphis. And I think also like just. Try not to get too frustrated when people don't want to hear it, you know, because maybe they'll want to hear it six months from now or a year from now. Like you just you don't know. And we actually heard from a couple more people who had some concrete suggestions. So I'm going to I'm going to read from them. It was like they anticipated Helena's question. I love it. This is from Shay. Hey, Matt and Dory was very interested to hear the discussion in the most recent episode about eco anxiety and climate change. I wanted to share my perspective. I'm a community organizer who focuses on climate change, which means I spend my days helping everyday people see that they can make a difference on this huge, overwhelming issue. The first thing I think people need to know is that the fight for a livable future does not have an end point. Every tenth of a degree of warming that we can prevent matters. There's no moment at which we've lost. It's never too late to shape our future in ways that are more just and more sustainable. The second thing is that you hit the nail on the head. It's a problem where the status quo makes some people very, very rich. So those powerful people are disincentivized to do anything about it. It's up to those of us who are afraid for our future and the future of our children to come together to change the politics. We do that by voting. And we also do that by by doing all kinds of other political work, speaking at hearings, registering other people to vote, calling our elected officials, getting the institutions we are part of, like religious groups and unions, to take action. The biggest and best thing you can do is to get involved with a local community group that's working for climate justice. We're all busy parents. Well, some of us are busy parents, so we don't have a ton of time, but a good organization will work with your time constraint and help you put your talents and things you've already, you're already doing to good use. The problem is a lot bigger and scarier than any one of us can face alone, but we aren't alone. There are tons of people out there who feel the same way, including your friends and neighbors. The cure for despair is community. Peace, Shay. And they write that, they use he, him pronouns. Um, so maybe that's an answer for you. Oh, wait, sorry. Shay is two adults, one 10 month old, two cats in 1400 square feet in Brooklyn, New York, where we're fighting to stop three new fracked gas power plants and to support offshore wind development instead. Where are they going to be the plants? I don't, I don't know. Aye, aye, aye. So Helena, maybe that's an answer for you. Maybe I'm sure there are climate activists in Memphis. Um, maybe they're not as visible or as vocal as the climate deniers, but I'm sure they are there. And maybe it would be helpful for you to like find your people. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the idea of a vocal climate denier is bananas to me. Yeah, but they're out there. Yeah, but like you don't have to do anything. If you're truly denying climate science, then shut up because <laughs> like you're not going to affect it anyway because you think that people don't affect it so shut the fuck up um and i think it would help helena i think it would help you to channel your passion for this into this kind of concrete action that shay is talking about so maybe look into that and we actually got a voicemail about this as well so I'm going to play this voicemail right now. Here we go. Hi, Matt and Dory. This is Katie from Alexandria calling back. I am on a different walk with my dog <laughs> on a different day, and I got another part of your podcast and had to pause again. It's about the call, the writer 
the emailer about climate change and the anxiety that's coming with it and the feeling of um, hopelessness and how you guys feel about it. And I just, I just had to let you know that um, there is a new book that came out. There's a, a podcast that goes with it, but it's called All We Can Save. And it is from a, a scientist who actually works. Her whole focus is political advocacy because you can't save the environment if you don't factor in how people live in the environment. And it's about getting people involved in saving their own local area. This is what and Shay was talking about. how that can bloom and blossom and create reverberations across the world. So um, just if you're feeling hopeless and anxious, there is a new perspective now that is not, you know, um, let's stop it. It's how do we save what we, are, what we still have? And I kind of love it because their main mantra is, fuck hope. Hope just makes you sit still and wait for someone else to do it. This gives you little things you can do where you are right now. It's all about empowerment in your area, as well as the greater things of, um, you know, voting and advocating. But it, it takes this giant concept of global climate change and really tries to help you get a little finger hold into your area and Having some sort of control helps relieve anxiety, and I have found so much comfort in learning that perspective and actually taking action in my own life. So, you know, poor little baby Henry, um, he's not getting the world we had, but we can help keep what we do have for him and everybody, all your other science babies. So I just had to chime in on that. Um, Still in Alexandria, still walking my newsie, and still got a guy and two other cats in a 1,100 square foot apartment. All right, love you guys. Bye. Uh, thank you for the call. Yeah, I hope that that helps uh, Helena and any other listeners who are thinking about this stuff. And hopefully, a lot of you are thinking about it. <sighs> it's too much. We got to think about it. Yep. Because no one else is thinking about it. Yep. Well, Shay and Katie and Helena are thinking about it. I know, but we should act like no one else is thinking oh, about okay. it. Okay. All right. All right. Moving on to a totally different subject. This yes. is from Cindy. Hi, Matt, Dory, Henry, and Bo. My clinic has partnered with Bundle Infertility, a group that offers IVF packages. When we talked to the clinic about Bundle, we learned that it was their first week of the partnership, and they really didn't know much about, how the, pro- about huh. the program or the company. I'm wondering... If any of your listeners have used Bundle, that's B-U-N-D-L, and if they have anything positive or negative to share, our clinic used to partner with Attain to offer packages, but I think Attain went out of business. The instability makes me nervous, but I would like to save money. Um, And the link is bundlefertility.com, B-U-N-D-L, fertility. Thank you for all you do to raise awareness about infertility. Cindy in... 2300 square feet in the suburbs of Atlanta with one husband, one toddler and two dogs. Um, I love the clever marketing of let's drop the E. It's like, okay, how, how do we sell, how do we separate ourselves? Well, we spell it wrong. Well, it's such a like Silicon Valley thing. Yes. I wonder who the first was. The first weird spelling of something. I mean, I remember Tumblr. Yes, was like, which is LR, yeah. Yeah, you know, they, but I feel like they were not the first. No. Any uh, Toys, historians, Toys us. historians of Silicon Valley out there who want to weigh in? Um, yeah, we. I've never heard of Bundle. I'm confused by the, the existence of it and what it does and how it does it. I wonder how it does it. Yeah. Is it like paying into like a separate IVF insurance kind of a thing? It sounds like it's like a firm. Yeah, but like, are they buying the debt? Like, I'm very confused as to how this is working. So if anyone knows more about it, I'm I'm happy to hear it out. 
and uh, Dory's on their website right now. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not really clear to me. Okay, so if anyone out there knows, please let me know. Moving on. This next email is from Helen. Hi, Dory, Matt, Henry, and Bo. Your talk about Rosh Hashanah got me thinking, given that we're coming into autumn, this is when I would start figuring out Christmas visiting plans, but this year I'm nervous. My fiance and I have family all over the UK, and we usually do a quick visit to one set, then a couple of days with others, but that is a lot of jumping between different groups of people in what will be a more contagious time for not just COVID, but all your normal winter viruses. Our parents are getting older and have lots of fun medical things, and I don't want to put people at risk, but it's a family time, and we all want to see each other. I'm thinking about maybe doing two Christmases, one at each set, but just have one of them in January. We can't have one big gathering as one set is in Glasgow, the other is in London, and nowhere is big enough. I really don't know, though. How are you and the other listeners doing Christmas, Hanukkah, and Thanksgiving this year? Is it making anyone anxious? Is it worth ignoring it this year, or do we need it more than ever? Any ideas would be gratefully received. Thank you for all you do. Helen, still rattling around an empty flat in the middle of England, missing other humans. Uh, we were just, Dory and I were just discussing this today. It's a pretty big topic of discussion around here, I would guess. Uh, the travels and um, logistics and, and how would we do it? Could we do it? We don't know. We feel very isolated over here. We're in Los Angeles. Closest family is in Texas. Closest uh, beyond that is Orlando. And then beyond that is Boston. So, uh, I don't know. Over to you, Dory. Do you know what we're doing? No. Are we doing anything? I don't know. It's interesting to think about. I mean, look, normally I think we'd probably... We'd probably go somewhere for thanksgiving yeah i think we would although we didn't we did last last year was here and then the year before that we didn't go anywhere no we went to austin oh i'm thinking of the year before that that we didn't go anywhere no the year before that we went to connecticut i'm remembering one where we got food from the oaks yeah that was uh the year before that gotcha uh yeah, so I don't, I don't know. It'll be hard. I know I, I offered Dory, I was like, just go and I'll stay with Henry. She laughed at me. She just laughed <laughs> in my face. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck you. Try me. Just okay. Go. Okay, I will try you. I can deal with Henry. Great. I mean, I just don't know how... But I would be sad to go without you two. Like, I'm I don't sure. want to just go by myself. I know. And then although, like, <laughs> and if I had to go to, like, get a COVID test during hiatus, which I probably will have to do, I don't know what I would do with Henry. Right. I can't bring him on the lot. I don't know. I don't know. pretty it's the last year mm-hmm. and you know what I'm happy to lose a quarter of the years of this four years <laughs> <sighs> I don't know Christmas I I also don't know the plan is there last year it's crazy last year we were in New York this year, who knows? Who knows? I mean, this year I'm pretty sure it'll be in Los Angeles. So, yeah, I'll have to. We get a lot of Christmas ornaments to buy and a new tree to buy and a Santa Claus to explain to mm-hmm. a child who doesn't talk. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I wish I wish there was a better way. I wish there was a family with a driving distance. I wish we all 
I wish Henry was a little older. And I think I would feel more comfortable bringing him on a plane. Well, I'm worried about the fact that, like, in, you know, in six months, seven months, he'll be two. And he'll have to wear a face mask. Well, someone was saying that JetBlue is over three. Okay. But a lot of places are over two. Right. So, you know, it's like we got to start breaking that in. Yep. Start introducing that habit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I look, it's hard to even think about. I can't wrap my head around it. And I know you're going through a very similar thing, but in Glasgow is not exactly a drivable situation from London, but certainly more doable than Boston. That's true. <laughs> Wait, is it? You cross a body of water? No. No. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, back to your initial conundrum, I think if, you're, if your parents are older and the most important part of it to you, then I think you should just have a situation where you're, you're, doing, you're, you're doing that Christmas there with them. But yeah. if, it's the, if it's split parents set in London, set in Glasgow, then yes, I think the two Christmases some weeks apart is probably the best bet. Yeah, I, I agree. <sighs> This is this is a big conundrum for a lot of people. A lot of people are conundruming yep. out there. Okay, we have one last question. Longtime listener here. Curious re Matt's job. It sounds like he is no longer in the writer's room. What is his job title now exactly? Just curious. I'm in the industry as well, so I guess I should be able to figure it out. Is he some kind of supervising producer? Apologies if this has already been discussed on the pod and I missed it. Thanks, Liz. I'm the best kind of supervising producer. I'm Matt Myra. Uh, yeah, I, my title this year is supervising producer. Uh, and what is my job? I am essentially on set every episode, every take. And I am there to answer every possible question that comes up. Essentially, I function as the showrunners on the set. So Chris and Alex are the actual showrunners and they're up in the room. And if there are questions where I'm like, hmm, not sure, they are the ultimate yes and no. But most of the time I'm making the decision down there and just making sure that the show is the show and that we're the characters are the characters and that we're shooting it the way we shoot it and all that stuff. So yeah, that's the answer. It's a fake job. It doesn't really... I mean, look, because my sh- because my showrunners spend so much time in, in the writer's room and they don't like to come to set, I cover... I, I used to cover for them on their episodes back when we were all in the room together. And then I just, you know, last year took over for Lou Schneider, who just directs now. He used to be me down there. He was just on stage so now i'm just i'm i'm just on stage and like you know if somebody has to be there to like ensure the continuity because like when there's you know some different directors coming in and out you still have to make sure the show is consistently the show you know i don't want i don't want anyone trying to like put a camera inside the fridge so someone opens the fridge and now there's a pov shot from inside the fridge and it's like we don't do that but okay uh that kind of thing and also like jokes and stuff and yeah answering questions from wardrobe props the dp it's all of it everybody it all comes to me and then when there's a real conundrum i bother the guys upstairs but i'm there so they have i'm there so they don't have to get bothered essentially Uh, all right. Uh, let's end this episode by saying thank you to our patrons. Uh, you can follow us on Patreon and support the show. You can get up to two bonus episodes every month at patreon.com forward slash excellent adventure. Big old thank you to everybody. If you're at the $5 level or above, you get your name right on the podcast each month as a big old thank you. Uh, so Anon, thank you. Anonymous, thank you. Anonymous in Brooklyn, thank you. Ainsley, thank you. Bradley Johnson. 
Brian Gusky. Christina. Claire Dealey. Claire Ploucha. Crescent Martin. Danielle Nujaforo. Deanna McLean. Eliza. Elizabeth Kamani. Freya. Gita Drury. Holly Purpura. Jane Ennis. Jennifer T. Brennan. Jenny Fick. Janan H. Joanna Reinwald. Jordan Hamesley. Kaylee Hendrickson. Karen Perelman. Katie Allen. Katie Combs Pritchard. Katie Lucy. Carrie L. Kristen Anderson. Christine Kelly. Laura Bennett. Lauren Schultz. LHN. Lynn. Lisa Bauer Bove. Lynn Nugent. Or Bove. Uh, Madeline McCarthy. Mara Fass. Maria Bishop. Marina Breed. Mary Messick. Mary Myra. My mom. Melanie Bronbeck. Michelle Chudzinski. Nancy Olson. Nicola Hill. Nicholas Gidmore. Narantha Balagopal. Olga Zilstra. Reagan Parsons. Rebecca Dowson. Rob Bine. Samantha. Sarah Lauer. Satish Pillalamari. Shauna Mandel. Sir Reginald Pennybottom. Tiffany Stevens. And Wendy Fick. Thank you all so much. We will see you next week. Bye.